Hey, Brian Rathbone here, and this is the third episode of the Herald of News Sports podcast. Today, Steve Matthews and I discuss yet another Olympian from the area, skier Loren Ross, and then we dive into one of the more influential and perhaps most inspirational athletes from the area, Mike Keck. We both had a lot of fun recording this podcast and hope you enjoy it as well. All right, Steve, we made it to the third episode. We had more than double the amount of listeners in the second episode as in the first. So, hey, people are at least tolerating us talking about these these athletes. Well, I think part of it is the fact that people are starting to discover that we're doing it, mm-hmm. you know, and I think um, the one thing we probably didn't do is advertise very well, especially for the first one, but people are picking up that we're doing these things, so I would anticipate some of this continuing. Yeah, and it, I mean, it was just on SoundCloud. Um, now we're on Google Google Play. That and we're fi- and that helps. Yeah, and we're figuring out there's something wrong with Apple. It's mostly <coughs> my fault. I'm just not tech savvy enough, but I think we're getting close to resolution. But anyway, we have a couple big-time athletes from here. We'll start with uh, Loren Ross, and then we'll go into perhaps one of the more influ- influential athletes even to this day. Yep. Mike Keck. Yep, totally. All right, so let's start with uh, Loren Ross, the alpine skier. Steve, what should the listeners know? Well, I think, first of all, that she was a multi A, she's a tremendous artist, but she was also a multi-sport athlete. I mean, she's a pole vaulter for the KU track and field team, and I think she cleared finally about 13-6 which for the girls is really good. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest thing is, you know, um, for her, I think one thing is how she has battled back from some really debilitating injuries. I mean, I think um, she skied really well in Sochi. Mm-hmm. And, and in, in that process became the second skier from our area to compete in the Olympic Games and, and the Winter Games. Third, second skier. And then um, <coughs> not quite a year before Pyeongchang, she had a very serious um, accident in a downhill race and basically obliterated her uh, right knee. And had total reconstructive surgery on that thing. And the fact that, and in fact, this was mentioned two or three times during her two races, you know, in Pyeongchang, um, that she had, that she basically hadn't even been back a year and to make the Olympic team and then to place in the top 15 in both of her races was ridiculous. You know, and, and the fact that the kind of construction that she'd had on the knee. And I think that's, you know, and one of the fun things for, for me, and I think for a lot of our readers, is um, she provided me her private journal every day. And about every other day, we ran a column on notes from Pyeongchang and what she, her, what, you know, her, what she was going through mentally and physically and emotionally to ski in those two events. And, and, um, she was terribly disappointed at finishing 15th in the <laughs> Olympic Games. Um, and I think what made it really, fr- I think what made it frustrating for her is um, she wasn't at full strength. I mean, she was pretty close, but 
um, in the two events, her, the downhill and the uh, giant slalom, um, her two combined times were like 1.9 seconds combined from the winner, from the two, from the two people who won those races. I mean, I mean, 1.9 seconds, seriously. And the same thing happened in Sochi, where she was 11th in the downhill. Mm -hmm. um, I think she was one second off of the gold medal there, away from the gold medal there. I mean, in a sport that's that tight and that talented, and of course you're talking uh, um, uh, Schifrin and um, I'm going brain dead. A couple of the other ski, you know, uh, Lindsey Vaughn. I mean, you're talking. I mean, you're talking the best of the best in the world, and she is right there, competitive with them. So, um, really, a special moment for her, and mm -hmm. uh, um, I think for KU to know that they had somebody that did that. She lives in Bend, and so her address is listed as Bend. But uh, Klamath Falls still has a real soft spot in her heart. Yeah, you know. So she she was in Klamath Falls through high school. She she moved here. She's born in Edmonton, Alberta. Okay. And her dad's a medical doctor, and her mother's in medical field somewhere too. But uh, she moved to Klamath Falls when she was seven years old. So she didn't. And she was skiing on the national teams. And when she graduated from high school, she was added to the U.S. national women's team mm -hmm. at 18 years old. So yeah, she lived. Well, she. Within the within the last couple within a, within a couple of days, give or take, either way today, she turns thirty. Mm -hmm. So basically, she lived a little about thirty five percent of her life in Klamath Falls. Okay. So while she was living in, in town, where would she go to train? Would she go up to Bend? Is that the, the obvious choice? Well, or because there's, I think I think um, skiing has an interesting history in this community. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, they'd hoped um, to build a ski out at uh, Pelican Butte, and some environmentalists got enough support to squelch that one. But you have Warner Canyon and Lakeview. You have um, Cedar Pass between Modoc and San Cedarville down in California. Mm -hmm. You have Mammoth Mountain and all, this, and all the places down in California. You have Mount Ashland. You have um, Mount Bachelor. Uh, what's Willamette Pass? And so they would go wherever they could to get uh, ski time. Mm -hmm. And we've had, you know, Lakeview had a very quality ski team for several years. Um, Butte Valley's had a ski team. Can uh, Klamath Union's had a ski team. Lakeview, uh, like I said, uh, Tule Lake. And both of them had kids uh, place in the top two or three in the state in, in the state meets at these different places. So... But all the kids who ski, I mean, if you're going to ski from here, you've got to travel. And mm -hmm. uh, a huge amount of it for the kids in Klamath Falls, basically, is Mount Ashland and Mount Bachelor. Mm -hmm. all those, all, although um, Lakeview co-hosted the state uh, skiing championships one year at Willamette Path. With skiing, I mean, it's a sport that I don't think it's under, like, the OSA jurisdiction or anything like that. There, How do you get... To that level. To that level skiing of skiing. and ski some more. Mm -hmm. And I think the thing, you know, and skiing, bowling, there, ice hockey, there are several sports that are very, that have been or are very good in this community. 
that are not under the auspices of the OSAA or in California the CIS. But the Oregon Ski Association, the Oregon, the Oregon High School Bowling Association, the Oregon High School Hockey League, they all use OSAA rules for eligibility and all that thing. So, I mean, it wasn't anything that was special, but the kids, you know, um, very costly because obviously you have to have, you're talking, um, all these places are two, two and a half hours minimum driving mm -hmm. one way. So you're talking five hours of drive time. You're talking um, lift, lift tickets, lift tickets season and all the other things that are involved. A lot of these, a lot of the facilities are very open, like the bowling alleys are, to the high school teams, to because obviously if they keep enough interest going on, these people are going to continue to ski the rest of their life. Mm -hmm. Okay, they may not be Olympic caliber, but they're going to ski. So that's kind of one of the that's kind of one of the things that they did that that the skis ski resorts have done. And then Lorin. Um, and her goal always was to be in the Olympics, okay, and, and for the United States. I mean, she made that really clear, but her dad was an alpine skier competitively. Her granddad played on an Olympic ice hockey team for Canada. Okay. So, so the Olympics are kind of in her blood. But, um, and to do that, um, of course, you know, Dr. Ross, uh, Bob is super guy, I re, you know, just a really nice guy. But they, they made a lot of effort to assist Lorraine with her skiing and I know she's got a couple siblings and the siblings kind of knew that this was a possibility so the sibs kind of backed off a little bit too so that the you know so the things could be done to help her get to that level and then of course once she made the U.S. once she made the U.S. team national team mm -hmm. expenses and a lot of things are picked up she's got sponsors and so a lot of the things that she would have needed until she was about 18 years old got you know were picked up at the national or international level and um, when you look at the places she skied and where she's placed you know she's had a couple podium finishes she never won a race but she's been second a couple times she's been third a couple times a lot of top 10 finishes and we're talking garmish garmish partner kirken um some places in italy that i can't pronounce <laughs> um and even in the United States, um, Lake Louise in Canada, which is one of her favorite places because it's fairly close to um, Edmonton. But um, a lot of commitment, financial commitment from family and from the, Olymp from the national groups to finance what she, you know, the cost of that because um, I would say, I think I'm fairly safe in saying um, alpine skiing and ice hockey are two of the most expensive sports that exist. I, you know, I, I won't try to debate yeah. you on that. <laughs> I, it, it's a, you know, it's a cost factor because they have to pay, they have to pay for the ice time and all that other stuff. I mean, football equipment is very expensive, but they don't have to pay for the extra. You know, they don't. Not only do they have to, you know, the hockey players and the skiers have to have the skis and the pads and all the other things, but they have to pay for the. Uh, Ice time. For the ice time or uh, passes, lift passes, and all the other things. So, expensive sport, but um, she's been a very, you know, she, like I said, she's 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 going part time University of Oregon to finish her bachelor's degree with a major in art. Uh, she's kind of keeping focused and trying to hopefully uh, compete 
in 2022 in uh, Beijing when they when the Winter Games. Um, that should be 32 at the time, which will or 33 should be up. But anyway, age wise, she'll be kind of at the end of the gap. Mm-hmm. So if she makes it, it'll be a very special thing. But um, and it would really be fun to see her win a medal. Mm-hmm. Going to be it's obviously getting more difficult just because of the age thing. Going to be cool because um, the area's had one other Olympic medal winner in skiing in Jeannie Salbert, who graduated from Lakeview High School. Okay. And Jeannie Salbert um, was second in one event and third in another event in the um, Innsbruck Games in 1964. It's the big Goichel sisters. <laughs> but, oh, those sisters. So, so, but it's kind of a neat thing. You know, uh, Lorraine's story is just, it's a real, to me, her story is really inspiring in that she has overcome some amazing injuries. Um, the mental and emotional toughness to come back from those things. I mean, the physical toughness. I mean, a lot of kids come back from it, but to come back from a total reconstructive and to be able to compete at the wor- at a world class level mm-hmm. is, uh, I think, just phenomenal. So, you know, she, it's really hard in what we do because you you try not to have favorites. Mm-hmm. But you can't help it. Yeah, and um, certainly, certainly, Tara Harrington would be one who's a fa- who's a, who's an all-time favorite. You know, Sam, but Lorraine will always be one of my favorites because she's just such a she's just got such a great personality, and just knowing what she's gone through is such an inspiration to say, hey, don't tell me that you can't do something. And it's kind of like the guy on the ESPYS that won the that special award for you know the coach from down around sacramento and i don't remember what it was but he was he got some the national you know uh award you know the the es before the guy doesn't was born without arms and legs the jimmy v yeah the jimmy v award and you know and you see people like that and you go wow and so to know that Lorenz had lots of broken broken bones. She's had total total reconstructive knee surgery on the right knee. She's had surgery on the left knee, and all the stuff that, um, and to still be able to compete at 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 the highest level possible is just it's it's kind of mind numbing, really. Yeah, and in skiing, if you're if you're going that fast, I mean your crashes are going to be pretty <coughs> pretty could, pr- can be devastating. Yeah, yeah. very devastating. And so you mentioned that she had like given you a like kind of a journal or whatnot of her time in the Olympics. What, what got any stories from from there? Kind of what she was going through at at, at those times that stood out to you. Um, some of the, I mean, she shared very the emotional. Um, what's it going to be like? What's it going to be like at the, in the starting shoot, waiting for the uh, waiting for the shoot to open? Um, what's you know what's going to be the concerns as she goes down as she goes down the hill at breakneck speeds and of course those courses you don't the skiers don't you know the skiers it's like a golfer the golfer doesn't see where they're placing the pins until you get close to the green Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know so i mean so so when they're coming in some of these races they don't know exactly where the turns are so all of a sudden you're going 90 miles an hour and having to make these quick decisions and you know am i mentally and emotionally prepared to do that. Uh, that was a big part. Mm-hmm. Um, 
physically can my knee stand up to it which obviously I think all of us would go through um, and, and she shared a lot of emotional stuff in, in the fact that uh, skiers like uh, Lindsey Vaughn and uh, Michelle was Michelle Schifrin the Schifrin girl but you know but teammates on you know who were who winning gold medals mm -hmm. were sitting there just cheering and pushing and helping her try to achieve her goals and I think you know just I mean just a lot of things that most of us would never think about because we're never at that level mm -hmm. but just and a lot but I say I think the big bulk of it was the emotional um, can I go through and can I handle this especially it being less than a year from having basically destroyed her, her knee you feel like she was kind of like kind of rushing to get back in a sense I think she kind of did and I you know okay she's an athlete she gets hurt she wants to get back on you know mm -hmm. she wants to get back in the field of play and and um, probably one of the best things in her case was that her dad is a medical doctor and her dad really uh, could do some things to help her and and, and uh, work with doctors and and do what kind you know um, she shared all hours, I mean hours of time in, in, re, in rehabilitation and lifting weights and doing all the things so, so that she could get back to do something that very few, I mean, two-time Olympians are pretty rare. And, sure. You know, and, and to, you know, to do that and, and to maybe have a chance to become a three-time you know, three Olympian. I mean, it's, it's in the back of her mind. It's going to come down to uh, some finances. It's going to come back down to how well her body adjusts. You know, at age 30, 31, 32, which is right at the end of a skier's career. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's just kind of you know you sit there and you go, God, an athlete's done at age thirty-two. <laughs> Whoa. I mean, you know, but <clears throat> that's the reality. And I think um, you know. And, and she's going for that, and, and um, when she speaks, and she has been down here to speak to a couple of different groups, that's one of the things that she shares is just um, the physical. The, the physical is probably the easiest part. It's the mental and emotional strain of, of testing yourself to that limit, and, and probably on the flip side is that um, most of us are mo and most young people who are, who are athletes and get hurt don't have that medical support staff in all the different places to be able to do the things that she did to come back and um, I think that's probably the biggest you know don't you know be inspired to the fact that you can do that but don't use that as an example because she had the highest level of, of medical assistance to mm -hmm. do what she did and most of us don't have access to that yeah no that coming from a family in the, in the medical field that comes with its, its advantages Helps for a sure a little bit you bet and like to say she's and she's really um her significant other is on the men's ski team okay tommy ford and he's in the same kind of situation and then like say um, she is really focused in getting her bachelor's degree, which I think when you're dealing with individuals at that level, that's 
That is not a common thing. Mm-hmm. For to just for, to, to pursue a world, college world class athletes to go like you know what, I'm going to finish school. Yeah, I mean, how many? I mean, how many? Not to diss any players or athletes, but how many basketball players or football players? Uh, go in the draft and never finish their finish their degrees, and when they do, we you know stories are written about it. I mean, I think Shaquille O'Neal was one of them who went back. You know, um, yeah, he's got a couple the, degrees and, and doctorate. You know, you know um, Bill Russell went back to get a to get an, a, a post PH, a post uh, bachelor's degree in some of those, but it's it's rare. Yeah, and so to do that, yeah, that's an inspiration. Never give up. Never say never. Never say never. So, she, so she's an artist. What's her like? What 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 kind of art? She um, she likes to paint. She draws. She's I've seen some of her ceramics. Some pretty interesting things. You know, her color schematics are very interesting. Mm-hmm. Some of them are offbeat, weird, <laughs> and others are kind of normal. So. You know, and, and my instinct is that uh, when she finally does have to say, I can't do this anymore, I'll have a degree. Who knows? Maybe she maybe she goes to get gets a master's and becomes a teacher. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of unknowns yet at this point in her life. Yeah. One of the cool things that's stuck out to me while doing doing these and kind of learning more about you know some of these you know really good athletes from the area bunch of different sports that if the area you can well I think you, you can pretty much go any any, any route and you can find yep. success well, you've, you've got you, we've had you know we've had olympic runners yeah you know danny o'brien ralph hill um ian dobson all ran in the olympics uh susie baxter from town was on the 1980 team that didn't go because of boycott as an archer Luke Klesia, who just retired as a physical therapist, was on the 1980 team as a weightlifter. Um, skiers, we've had a couple skiers. Uh, yeah, so you know we've had a, we've had a couple uh, NFL players come out of here. We've had a couple of Major League Baseball players come out of here. Um, I don't think the closest we've had to the NBA are the singlers, mm-hmm. who went to high school in Medford, but our family based here in town you know their their grandparents and all of that stuff so yeah i mean I, I, it is it's really interesting and that just there's a, the diversity of sport and we've actually had we actually have i think boy i wasn't ready quite ready for this but <laughs> i think we got five high school hockey players that are playing junior hockey okay which is the next step to becoming a professional mm-hmm. that's I mean, seriously, Klamath yeah. Falls, Oregon. Yeah, really. the desert. <coughs> yeah, high desert. So, um, when we look at that, I think there are some. Yeah, I think, and I, I, you're right. It's just the major diversity that we have, you know, and that we've had Division One athletes and, and and small college athletes. I mean, obviously cross country, soccer, football, volleyball. Um, Basketball, men's and women, you know, basketball, wrestling, um, ice hockey, baseball, softball, uh, golf, tennis, track and field. I mean, you go down the list, it's, it's fairly interesting. 
which it, makes it, our job a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a good thing when there's a nice diverse <clears throat> athletic <clears throat> athletic competition where there's seemingly good sports year round. Well, it is, you know, and you know, and, and having been in some environments where um, you just deal with a team in a sport, whether it be the collegiate or professional level. It can get it can really become a mental fatigue because um, if you got a team that's winning and, and and going to the playoffs and doing really well, it's easy to stay fresh with lots of stories because there's lots going on. Mm-hmm. When you if you cover a baseball team that's sixty three and ninety nine, um, it becomes a little bit of a struggle. Or an NFL team that halfway through the season you know is not making the playoffs. To have you know that's your full time assignment. It, it really it it, be, it can become a very significant mental drag. So, I think that's what one of the things that makes this area so unique. Yeah, you don't need to tell me about mental fatigue. Had to cover Oregon State football during the Gary Anderson era. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> you win that one. <laughs> well, for lack of a better pivot, let's talk about one of the more influential athletes from the area, Mike Keck. Well, I think not only influential, but I think uh, inspirational. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I loaned you the um, – to me, I've, I've done a lot of work with his his brother, Dan, lives in Medford, coached the, the Legion baseball team for years. Um, his dad, Al, coached out of Lost River. He coached uh, KU boys. He coached KU girls. I think he was the first KU girls basketball coach. Mm-hmm. If he wasn't the first, he was the second. I mean, he was right really early in the infancy of – of girls basketball and to me you know obviously um, in the first couple of years the only thing I really knew about Mike Keck was the memorial scholarship they set up in his fund mm-hmm. and I think that has become singularly the most prestigious award athletically in, in the Klamath Basin and it's only Klamath County which is kind of sad some of the other you know, kids that we in schools recovery don't have a chance but to win that award, and it's now a thousand dollar scholarship. I mean, that's thousand dollars can cover an awful lot of books and a lot of other incidentals, you know, in college. So, but I think where the Mike Keck story, and like I said, I talked to Al a lot. Um, I talked to Dan, but I think where the Mike Keck story really struck me as to how significant, um, inspirational. Um, Influential uh, came in. It came in the book uh, Ralph Miller's book, span you know, spanning the game. Mm-hmm. Here's a guy. There aren't very many people in the history of college basketball who knew James Naismith, who knew Fog Allen, Allen Fieldhouse at Kansas University, mm-hmm. um, and a hundred years. Of ba- I mean, then you're talking uh, Gary Payton. Um, Steve, Steve, Steve Johnson. Steve Johnson. AC Green. You know, yes, yeah, so, you know some of these guys. I mean, he was. I mean, he, I mean, you talk about a guy that covered a hundred years of college basketball. This guy's it, and and of course, um, I think the thing a lot of people understand is the history of Oregon State basketball. I mean, Oregon has had a pretty good run, but people forget that uh, Jungle Jim Luskatoff and Mel Counts. Um, who won NBA rings with the Boston Celtics are both Oregon high school products. Mm-hmm. And Mel Count still stays in touch with Bobby Thompson here in Klamath Falls and has been down here several times and does Oregon Tech games. So you're talking 
So here's so here's a guy who he also coached in Iowa. He I mean he coached in a lot of places. Had, I mean State. just a very wide range of, of the college game. And so he writes a book that's maybe what 270 pages. It's not particularly long. It's, I think it's only like 220. I mean it's not real long. And he devotes like 12 pages to Mike Keck. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I mean you know, and in the and in the history of the game, and and all this stuff, you're talking James Naismith, who invented the game. You're talking Fog Allen, who's one of the three or four greatest names in college basketball history. And then you're talking some of the great Oregon State players, and you're going, he's devoting ten, ten, you know, nine, ten, eleven pages to an obscure guy who played one season, who didn't even play a full season, I don't think, from a from a, from collectively, as I look at the country, at a really obscure place. What made him special that, that when he's talking about spanning the game, a hundred years of basketball, he writes about that much about one guy, and that to me, um, that was a really emotional. And I wasn't aware of this when I bought the book. I'm sitting there going, you know, I know Ralph Miller. I mean, um, one of my best friends in high school played basketball at Oregon State. In fact, I saw him stuff over the then Lou Alcindor. <laughs> Um, in a call in a game when Oregon State played uh, UCLA, and I'm sitting there going, and I know and I re- and I know the name Ralph Miller from my my years in the Midwest when he coached at Iowa, so I'm saying of course I'm going to read the book. I mean I you know I know who the guy is. I I've met him a couple times. I know who the guy is, and he's going to talk about a, you know the uh, some of the history of college basketball for a hundred you know a hundred years of it. And I'm looking at something going through, and all of a sudden I get to this section, and here's this several pages on Mike Keck and I'm like going okay well I know who Mike Keck is obviously never met him I know who Mike Keck's brother is I know Mike Keck's dad met his mother a couple times and I'm sitting there going what was it that Ralph Miller devoted that amount of his book to this one individual Mm -hmm. and I'm going at that point, the Mike Keck Memorial Scholarship really hit home to me that this guy really was something special. And sadly, we'll never know what he could have done. I mean, he could have been, you know, at that, in that, and at that particular time, who knows, he may have had a chance to have had a tremendous NBA career. And he was a great all-around athlete. He was a tremendous baseball player. Three, and he played, played football. All, yeah, played, he played all three all sports three. at Oregon State. You know, I mean, how many, I mean, how many people can play two sports at the college level? And I'm talking even at Oregon Tech to, to do two sports is really difficult because of the demand that you have. So here's mm-hmm. a guy who played three sports, and I think for me, what the Mike Keck thing meant was, um, here's a basketball coach that I had a lot of respect for because because I knew the guy. I mean, I I knew the Ralph Miller story long before. Um, this book ever came out, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and, and I think that's what it was like. What w- what was so special about this guy that he would devote that much of his book on a hundred year history of college basketball? And of course, and of course, you know, and we live in a community where uh, there's only four men's coaches in the history of four year college colleges in the history of college basketball that won a thousand games. Maybe five, and there's only a couple of women. I mean, sitting there going, so I mean, we understand some of the historical contexts of the games, and it, and and to me, that was the thing that 
Um, yeah, do I wish I could have had the chance to have known Mike Keck? And there might be, you know, and I would have to go back and check. I don't know if he played when when, Je when my when my good high school buddy Jeff played at Oregon State in the in the mid '60s. He might have, because I have to go back and check the dates. But I'm going. Um, what kind of an inspiration did this kid leave? Not only to Oregon State, not only to college basketball, but to Klamath Falls, and of course at that time, um, Mazama wasn't even a thought, let alone a building. And so you had you had Klamath Union here in town. You had Henley, and Henley was out in the boonies at that time. I mean, mm -hmm. the South Suburbs didn't start growing until the '70s. So. Um, that's the thing that hit me really, that just kind of caught me off guard. I wasn't, you know, you, you know, and as you read, you know, and I read a lot, uh, wasn't quite ready for that. Mm -hmm. wasn't expe I, guess I shouldn't say I wasn't because you're ready for almost anything, but it was just kind of surprising. And I'm sitting there going, this guy had to have been a just spectacular person to have culled that much space in a book. To have done the things he did at Oregon at Oregon State, um, and of course one of the things we know is that is that the train you know, is the train, and of course that was a time when the NCAA would allow schools to pay their you know to pay the fares for their athletes to go to a funeral and, and stuff like that, and apparently they had a couple cars, couple carloads on on the train at that time that all came down here for the funeral. I mean, it's like who does that? I mean, who does that? I mean, that's 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 not a norm, and mm. I don't care where you're at. I mean, um, my instinct is is you know, and and I'll pull the, one of the um, trying to think of the kid from Loyola Marymount. Um, I, I know I know who you're talking you know, about, to, but not very many. Uh, uh, gathers, Hank gathers, Hank gathers. There weren't a lot of people from school that went to you know from you know even teammates went to his service and so. Here's a guy who had two two full carloads on the train coming down, and commands. I mean, I mean, I mean seriously. I mean, um, he will forever be etched as one of the greatest athletes to ever come out of this community. He has to be just because of when you put everything together. I mean. Um, and that's not taking away anything from anybody. It's not taking anything from Bob Moore, who played in the NFL. It's not taking anything away from uh, Jeff Bronke, who pitched in the major leagues. Uh, it's not taking anything away from Jeff Patsky, who's now who came within a couple of days of making the major leagues. It's not taking anything away from um, our Olympians. It's not taking anything away from any of the others. It's just how many communities and smaller communities have somebody that commands, and I think that's the right word, that kind of respect that that a guy like Ralph Miller, who's highly respected. And I mean, I know tons of coaches. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time. I mean, and, I, and Ralph Miller is, is one of the coaches who's just really highly respected in the coaching, in the coaching world for his honesty. I mean, the guy was... The guy was up front. There's several coaches, and I could name a few who a little shaky on some things that they do. And so, I mean, here's a guy who's one of the most highly respected coaches devoting that much space to this to, to this young man. I'm sitting there going, 
Would I have liked to have had that opportunity to have sat down with, with Mike Keck for an hour and, and, and talk to him and do that and and have had that chance to talk to his dad and his brother and, and get a feel of a guy who really probably, you know, and, and you sit down and you go through the whole history and you go back through all the athletes that have come through all the high schools here. You know, Ralph Hill was a silver medalist. Got hosed out of an Olympic gold medal by a crotchety old guy named Avery Brundage from Chicago. But um, you go through all the list of all the athletes and coaches and everybody that have come through Klamath County and just what I was able to read and get from Ralph Miller, what I was able to gather from talking to his brother Dan, what I was able to talk, get together and talk to his father Al, um, probably is the epitome of what a student athlete should be and what kids should, should aspire to. And I think that's the inspiration to me that makes that, war, that award so meaningful. Yeah, because we're, we're talking about someone who hasn't been around for, we're, you know, approaching 50 years. 50 years. And. I mean, he was in high school at the same time I was for, I mean, I mean, I mean, and I'm looking at my 55 year reunion and, you know, in a few, you know, in, in 12 or 13 months. So, yeah, you're talking about. Um, someone who's, who's still very much resonates and someone who's, who's still very much recognized as. Not only One this, of the great athletes from the area, but, you know, for, from, from the state, at least for, you know, his era. You know, yeah. I mean, he's in he's in the Oregon Sports Hall of Fame. I I don't know if I haven't I've never checked the list of Oregon State, but I would think he's probably in the Oregon State Hall of Fame just because of of what Ralph Miller has done. So I mean, you're sitting down here. Here's a guy who's just um, and I think that's one of the one of the challenges that parents and coaches have is trying to find uh, young people to have young athletes emulate. You know, and, and um, I remember, I remember a story that I remember a story. I was at, I was at, uh, it was at Mankato, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I think it was when I was a student there. So this is almost fifty years ago, <laughs> and Bill Russell was there. And I remember, and Bill Russell doesn't sign autographs. He'd he'd tell somebody. You know, I'd rather shake your hand and ask you, you know, what your aims and goals in life are, just to kind of get a little bit to know about you. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm taking notes for a story mm-hmm. um, as the sports editor of the College Daily. And uh, an older gentleman comes, well, I'm not going to say older, but he's probably in his 30s at that point. And he comes up and he goes, Mr. Russell, I would like, he says, I'd like your autograph because I want my son to grow up to be just like you. And I've never seen anybody about face and just kind of stiffen up like that. And he goes, the guy goes, Bill Russell goes, what do you know about me? He says, I could be a, what was the term he used? He says, I could be an alcoholic or, or what? I mean, I don't know what exact, I don't remember, but it, whatever he says, I could be a child molester. I could be a wife, you know, you don't know who I am. The person you should want your son to grow up to be like, his hero, his idol should be his father. Now, 
if you would like your son to grow up to become a basketball player who can do some of the things that I've been able to do in basketball, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. That's a different goal. That's legitimate. And, and you know, and as I've had a chance to think, and, and I've written this a couple of times in some columns, what I see in Mike Keck and what I've learned and what I've been able to ascertain and pull out and put together is here's a guy who is a legitimate hero, a legitimate person to want to emulate as an athlete and as a person. Mm-hmm. And those that number of individuals in that situation are not very many. I mean, I can think of a few others, you know, and, and um, well, I won't go into some stories, but I, I can remember when I was in, you know, in my early teens and in high school and, and seeing professional athletes and seeing kids, you know, young people line up for autographs and get pushed out of the way. Hey, you know, leave me alone. I got something else I got to do. I got to go drink, basically, is what they were saying without saying it. But um, sports heroes, great athletes. If you want to grow up to be an athlete like that, yeah, you know, that's that's legit. But um Know who you you know who you should emulate, and as a parent, know know that you should be working to provide that base for your child. And I think that's and when I read all that I do about Dan, Mike Keck, and when I read about you know and, and remember conversations with his dad and stuff like that, that's he's one of those people that fit that. That's the kind of person you want to be because he was a great athlete. He was a great student. He was very active in his church. He was very active in the community. That's the kind of person you want to follow. And I think that's, uh, I think that's the lesson or that I gained from um, my time with him. You know, with, with knowing what I do about Mike Keck. Yeah, and then you know, obviously, tra- tragically, you know, left too soon. Oh, you know, and. You know, and all of us, I, I think we all go through that. I mean, um, I mean, I have classmates who were killed in Vietnam. Um, we all have friends, you know, there, there's all of us. I think the hardest thing, uh, the hardest thing in life is, you know, I lost a younger brother. The hardest part is, is, is going through that as young people because that's not the normal way. And so... Um, To have to deal with that is at, at, at those ages is, is just really difficult. And I think, um, and I know my <coughs> the one my one sister and I often talk. Wonder what Jeffrey would have been like if he were you know if he hadn't if we hadn't lost him. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's one thing that that throughout this community, um, those people who were around and who knew Mike Keck. Uh, would probably say, and I think that would be the one thing that for young people to know who he is and what it's about and just say, I wonder what this guy would have been like. And, yeah. and, and I don't know what, I mean, what else can you say? I mean, it's just, I mean, I mean, that just, but it blew me away that here's a, you know, that Ralph Miller would spend that much of his book talking from James Naismith to A.C. Green and have these number of pages on some kid from an obscure place at 90, 
999,999 I've ever made people never heard of. Well, to me, it almost makes sense because we're, we're talking about a really good player. All of a sudden, Ralph Miller doesn't have this player in his very first year at OSU. Yep. But then when you add all <coughs> the, you know, beyond, beyond the basketball court, all of a sudden you're losing one of those guys who you'd want, one on your team, He's you know, setting the example of, you know, hey, here's how things are done. Here's how to be a student athlete. Here's totally. how, to, how to do it. And you lose that as well. I think, and I think that's, and how, and how can a coach really, you know, be prepared to you know face something <clears throat> as tragic as this? Well, you know, it's bad enough that you that that, every, that and every college coach goes through this, every high school coach goes through this, where, where kids quit for a whole variety of reasons. One is the game's no more is no is no longer fun. I might have academic issues. Um, I have issues at home. Whatever it is. But to go through it in, in that kind of a situation where where uh, where a young person like that is killed in an automobile accident, that's that's a challenge, and and, and you you are never prepared for that. Um, you know, I was fortunate enough to coach some baseball for a long time, and had five or six of my players, a couple of them while I was still coaching them, a couple of them, a couple of years after they'd left my program. Um, Diane car accident and you just are never ready. Yeah. And I don't know what I mean that says it all. Yeah. Well, a great man. You know, gone too soon, but yep. it sounds like his his legacy, what he stood for, is still very much alive in this area and that's and that, I, that, that's good to know that And I think you're right. It's the area it's the it's at Oregon State. It's the entire state of Oregon. I mean, I think. I mean, there's people I know that in, in the media that I deal with in Portland, other places that totally understand who Mike Keck was. Well, just yesterday I was <clears throat> I was on the phone with my dad and was kind of talking about what we've been doing with this podcast. He's like, "Oh yeah, I remember." So this is what, he was still in junior high when this happens. Like, yeah, there was this guy who played basketball at. At Oregon State and died by yeah. I remember he was from he was from Klamath Falls and yeah. So yeah, and he was up in the up in the Salem area. So yeah, it's you know, and I love what I do. Obviously, I've done it for a long, long time. But it's those kind of people that make this job, you know. And it's like all of them that we've talked about so far that makes this job so much fun. Mm -hmm. You know, you're gonna you're, there's gonna be a few. That make it difficult. There's going to be some coaches making, but when you get to deal with these kind of people, you understand how special what you do is, and that's I think what I. I have many many nights where I sit there and pinch myself, say, "Do you know how lucky you are? Do you know how really 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 lucky you've been in your life?" Yeah, it's a fun job for sure. You know, <laughs> says it all. Yeah, well, I don't have anything else to add, Steve. Any anything else? I have. We, I, mean, I don't know on? what else we can say. I mean, anything we've said, we've said, and any, it's just a kind of a repetition of some of the same things. Yeah, just just good athletes. So yep. we, fi we finished three of these. Th three in the books. We're moving along nicely. Yeah. No, this was this was a fun one, Steve. So thank it you. It was. Thank you so much for your wisdom, as always.
well, I don't know how wise I am, but <laughs> it's just fun wisdom to, on the it's, air. It's yeah. fun to share some of those things. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Okay. Thanks again for everyone for tuning in to today's pod. We're now officially on Google Play as well as SoundCloud. And I got an email today that everything has been cleared with iTunes. So hopefully, and I mean hopefully, they'll appear on iTunes within 24 hours. Fingers are crossed. Um, You can subscribe to this podcast. The best way to ensure that you get these weekly pods as soon as they're published So if you do that, that'd be great. And if you want to tell someone about the pod, let them know if you enjoyed them. Um, We'll be back with another episode next week. And who knows, maybe we'll change up the format a little bit. Maybe talk about some teams rather than some athletes, get some more, more people involved. But yeah, we'll be back again next week. Thanks again, everyone, for listening.